options. Yeah. Um, so let's talk, if you're okay, and we're just moving straight on, AJ, with a, a bit of a topic shift, mate. Go ahead. Um, I know that we've got a huge female following on today's podcast when it comes out, and, and they all want to know, how did Nancy Andrews train to become the greatest female bodybuilder of all time? What, what, what did it all look like for you back in those days in the gym and in the kitchen? So I, I think anyone that comes from gymnastics, if you're competing in gymnastics at a high level, um, genetically a high level gymnast and a bodybuilder structurally are similar mm -hmm. so to be able to do the high level gymnastics. You're probably already in a, in a positive position as far as um, the genetics for, for bodybuilding. Um, so my training initially was really just more like body weight stuff where I did body weight conditioning. Um, my, my bad parts were that I had, um, problems with my knee and I ended up getting ACL. I had ACL surgery three times on the same knee. Wow. Wow. Um, and I did a lot of rehab, but the, after the first like go around of rehab, cause for gymnastics, you don't use a lot of weights. You, you know, you do pull-ups and you do push-ups and you do all variations um, but that was kind of my first introduction to weights was that I needed to rehab my legs so I could walk. And I, you know, did that. And then because I couldn't do the gymnastics, I wasn't going to the gym. And my brother went to the gym and he's like, you know what, why don't you just come and just work out, you know, use the machines because you can't do anything with your leg. And so I started weight training probably like 19. I was 19, but mm -hmm. I started off with a lot more because of the gymnastics than most females um, just jumping from whatever sport into bodybuilding, um, that I had a good base and I could go from there. Um, and the, even the first year competing, I really didn't do a ton of weight training or a, an advanced program. I just kind of went to the gym and randomly did stuff. Um, the person that I promoted with was also, his name is Chris Morin, and he had a place called Fit Tech. And Chris was a little ahead of his time with the diet because he was a natural guy trying to do diets for all the natural people. So at our gym show, the Gold's Gym Show, he would you know, do the diets for everyone. He knew, you know, get these people lean. So the diet was just a, kind of a sensible diet just with limited calories, you know, where I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was eating more protein than I normally would. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, counting the calories that car, you know, he'd give a list of these are the proteins, these are the carbs, this is the fat, you know, pick one from each, eat six meals a day. You know, there wasn't as much back then when I started, there wasn't as much like handholding you know, they gave you a program and you did it and like, come back and see me in a month, you know, just follow this. And that was it. And, you know, you didn't have the same level of support. I think people were more self-motivated then because you had to really want to do it um, because you weren't having teams and you weren't having a lot of people that you could interact with in the sport. You were kind of alone on your own doing it. And when you'd get to shows, you'd be with all these people that had the same uh, same interests. So the diet, I always did a pretty sensible diet and I followed his diet for a long time. Um, and at, uh, I think it was about 90, 98, maybe 99. I met up with Dr. Joe, um, uh -huh. in the United States. 
And um, Dr. Joe was writing for natural bodybuilding at the time. And he was training a number of high level natural pros yeah. in the WMBF. He had, he was good in diet coach and he, he had a number of people he worked with and he, you know, he had a few females that I was like, wow, you know, this guy's good. Like I, they look a lot different than they did last year. So I started, I had him, before I started with him, I actually had him come here for a seminar because I was doing my weekend camp. And he came here and um, did his presentation. And I was like, wow, this guy is good. Like he, he made it sound so simple. He simplified the whole process, but I was like, he really knows what he's doing. And he's especially good at peaking people, like the day of show, like the mm-hmm. stuff. He's you know got a lot of different strategies. So with that, after I had met him and talked to him, and you know, I already had won two worlds on my own, or kind of with the Chris, the Chris Warren diet that Chris gave me. Um, I also had some diet input from Todd Gancy, who's um uh does diets here. He also does music and he does a lot of different things. He used to head judge for me. Um, he's a great guy. Um, he did some diet stuff for me too. And, uh, and then I got on with Dr. Joe in the second two, the second half of my competitive career. Um, I worked with Joe and, and, you know, helped him promote his business and get him going in the, in the natural realm. Um, and with that, Joe is also a, he has a master's in PT, physical therapy. So with all of my my knee injuries and stuff like that, he was able to give me some pretty good training programs, you know, that would work with with what I had to work with. But um, I kind of got off on the nutrition topic. But with the training, I always trained pretty consistently. Um, where I think I made my mistakes, remember where I said I was like every other mm-hmm. year, you know, I would start doing these like weird training programs. And I think I would get into like overtraining where I didn't get better. I was, I'd like come in like a smaller version of the same. And then I'd be like, why did I do that? Like I need to take days off. So the, when I did my best, I did pretty traditional training, like, you know, nothing crazy, but you know, deadlifts and bench pressing and as heavy as I could go on everything you know, and lower reps, and then, you know, obviously change as the season gets closer. Well, what sort of thing did you do? Did you do a set number of days a week, or did you do like a three-on-one-off, or six days a week, or I you... Yeah, I usually did, like, you know, where I was doing a lot of training, I would do, you know, like, I'd split my workout into like four or five days of training, and I kind of went by how I felt. Like, if I was so sore that I was like, oh, like I didn't want to waste a training day when I wasn't like, like you know, you have to be up to do heavy training like that, yeah. but you're going to be sore for a few days. And uh, my husband really changed my training because I did much higher volume before I let him, you know, before I started working out with him. When I started working out with him, it was like, you know, you're just going, you know, you're, you're kind of going through the motions. And I was like, what? what do you mean I'm going through them? He's like, you're just, you know, you're moving weight, but you know, you're not really doing anything challenging. Cause I was kind of of that mindset of I'll do a lot of reps. I'm going to get ripped from doing all these reps. Didn't work. So I went, you know, he got me back on the heavy, like, you know what, just pick a few exercises. Don't waste your time doing all these low weight, 
um, you know, high volume, because that's not why you're weight training. Go do your cardio, you know, do use your cardio for that. So I tried to do the heavy where I would do, you know, warm up and then do like, I always liked this better. It worked better for me as far as like getting a pump, doing my heavy, like try to go right into the heavy. So to be warmed up, like, so maybe if I was doing benching, I do a lot of dips, you know, get myself warmed up, do some, you know, light stretching, do a lighter weight, you know, for 10 reps and then put as heavy on as I thought I could do. And then, you know, maybe I only got three reps and then take weight off and go up in reps. So the reverse, like, especially for upper body for me, going the reverse always worked better. Like I got stronger, faster, and it seemed to work. And then, you know, I'd finish it off with a higher rep. Um, just, to, just to jump in quickly. Um, yeah. You mentioned obviously the transition to lower volume training. Did that transition also come with, with log booking your training? So did you go in with, with numbers that you wanted to, to beat? Did you log what you did last week yes. and then try yeah, and address them? It. You know, it's funny. I found these little notepads. I had a box of them. Like, you know, the little memo pads. Yeah, I would yeah. write everything out on them every day because, Boom. you know, if you, if you don't do that, the problem is, you, you know, you, you can remember a lot, but that once you document it and write it down, it makes you more accountable because then the next time you're like, Oh, wait a second. Oh, I did a little more than I thought. So, you know, you, it, it, it is good to do that. And I was, um, the Chris Moran, the person that I worked with initially, he was big into keeping records, whether it was diet records or, so I kind of got in the habit of doing that right away and did that. And I will admit that some of the years where I messed up and I didn't win, I didn't keep good records either. So, you Not know, it was kind of on me, like I didn't, and then I was like, oh, I worked out. And then I'm like, well, what did I do? Oh, I don't know what I did, but whatever it was, it wasn't good. So I better go back to logging. <laughs> in, awesome. in, terms, in terms of your, in terms of your strength in comparison. So when you're, when you were in your off season training and then pre-contest, obviously if you kept logs throughout the whole way through, um, did you, did you find you retained a lot of your, your strength from the off season all the way up into the contest or were you, did you tend to drop off quite a lot on some specific lifts? Um, so no, I definitely, you know, like anyone I did drop off. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting, probably the trickiest thing for me was, and, and you guys will know this, there's a point where when you've dieted a number of times um, you can make a decision. Now will my physique, am I better off sacrificing a little muscle to get leaner or am I better off trying to go in a little bigger and not as lean, but I'm going to win for other reasons. I'm not going to win because I'm the most ripped on stage. And I will say I never won because I was the most ripped on stage. Um, uh, you know, that's the truth. I was never the, the most ripped person on stage ever. There were always there was always somebody I competed against that was leaner than me. But in trying to figure that out, you you as you're dieting and you're getting ready to compete, you 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 ha that has to come into consideration because you're to get the leanest you're going to get, you're going to lose muscle. I don't think that there's anyone that at the end is able to maintain every bit of muscle, and they're the most ripped person on stage. So if you go to the most ripped person on stage and you say you know, how much muscle 
did you lose in that last bit? And, you know, that's a decision. So strength and how much muscle you lose are relative. So we kind of found, I did different things. We experimented a lot, especially with Dr. Joe, that um, we kind of felt like I was not going to be better by giving away any bit of muscle. Like my strategy as a competitor was that I wanted to be the biggest one on stage and my symmetry would be good and I could be lean enough that I could win, not as ripped as I can get. And that's a whole different, you know, kind of thing. But when I did get my leanest and I lost muscle and I was the lightest I competed at, um, how much my strength dropped, it dropped, you know, towards the end, it dropped quite a bit, you know, 10% drop in strength. It was, it was enough that I knew I had lost muscle because I couldn't move the weight. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm interested to also know like a lot of females struggle with the off season element of, of getting ready for a show. They struggle with pushing mm-hmm. up in body weight enough to have enough quantifiable, quantifiable muscle when they diet down. So they stay stuck right. in, they stay stuck in categories, which maybe they don't actually want to compete in. Let's say you've got a bikini girl who wants to be in figure or a figure girl that wants to be in bodybuilding, but struggles to, to push yeah. up enough. How, how, how did your off seasons look? Did you, did you push up quite a lot in body weight comparative to your stage weight? Um, as you got more experience, did you stay closer to your stage weight in off seasons? How did, how did that look for you? So, yeah, that's a, that's a great question, AJ. Um, the, the first year that I competed, um, and I, you know, again, I didn't have a ton of guidance. I had a diet that I followed and I had, so I myself came up with my strategy, which is going to be that I was going to stay very close and I was just going to kind of stay close and then I'll change my diet a little bit and compete. So the first year I competed, I did very well. I won a lot of titles. Second year, I was smaller and smoother and did horrible. Like, it was like, oh, wow, like, this is not good. So I kind of learned very quickly that that's not what bodybuilders do. And I think that year for me was a year where I, I had, you know, I had won worlds. I had won a lot of amateur titles. I went in and, and did not well at all, but I felt like I was working so hard because I was overtraining. I stayed really close. Like I was probably within five pounds of my contest weight the whole year. I looked horrible. I looked small. I looked smooth. And, you know, I, I knew I'm like, okay, this isn't right. And I, my husband was the one that said, you know, if you're going to be a bodybuilder, you know, you, you were a gymnast and gymnasts train. And when you train more, you keep getting better because you learn things, you get better and you're going to be a bodybuilder. You can't do this. Like, this is not right. Like you need, so at that point I took almost a whole year off and just waited to compete until worlds. And, um, I'm sorry, that was, that was 96. So 97 was the first Worlds I won. So 97 was the first year that I didn't compete until Worlds. So I took, you know, so I had had the 95 year where I was doing tons of stuff, won my pro card, 96, spinning my wheels, doing everything. I thought I was doing a lot, but just nothing right. And so 97 was where I did a full year of training. 
So the challenge is, I think, for, for any female that's competing is that you need a good plan. You need a plan, and the plan has to be the, the nutrition side of the plan as well as the training side of the plan need to be for a common goal. So your nutrition, you know, and most competitors, even in the bikini classes we've seen, they're muscular. It's easier to hide muscle through posing than it is to go in without a lot of muscle and say, well, it's bikini. The bikini girls are muscular. You know, there's, if you look at those women, they are muscular, they train hard. So every competitor, you know, when you do compete, my suggestion is that you get together with whoever you're working with, with your nutrition person and your training person, and you come up with a plan and you give yourself enough time that you can get from one point to another and be where you want to be when you compete. Because once you've competed a couple times, you don't want to just go through the motions and keep doing it again. Obviously you're doing it because you want to get better. You want to be better. You want to improve on things. So the plan is the key and following the plan. And I think a lot of women like myself that don't really understand the whole process and you think it's like any other sport, the more I practice, the better I'm going to get. The more, if I keep doing this over and over, I'm going to get really good at it and I'm going to be better. And in bodybuilding and any of the physique sports, it's not the case. Yeah. And yeah. that's hard. Yeah. I mean, I, even, even I can relate to that massively myself. Like recent, over recent years, I've, I've trained less than I ever have and made more progress yeah. than I ever have because right. I was one of those people that thought more that more was better. Um, training six, six days a week. Why don't I train seven, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it is a sport where recovery is pivotal and especially oh, yeah. in, in, in an environment like a, a calorie deficit, harsh calorie deficit where you're getting super, super lean becomes even more pivotal. You know, the importance just rises as you get leaner. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, it was great to hear that. Um, my final question before I, I lead on to, to some of these on this topic is uh, with relevance to, to Dr. Joe. So I, I actually know Dr. Joe. Luckily, it was yeah. just into my realm of time. Um, the other yeah. people that were mentioned prior to this, I, I don't, don't quite know yet, but I'm sure Lee will tell yeah. me more stories. Um, yeah. So I know you mentioned about his peaking and actually, funnily enough, the only person that I've listened to a lot on with regards to peaking is Joe. Um, yeah. I, I actually met him at, uh, the last two worlds and was one of those people that he didn't know who I was, but I went up and shook his hand kind of thing. Um, yeah. so I peaked, I peaked with his sort of linear, linear load style approach, um, yeah. in, in 2017 for all of my shows. And it was a very simplistic way to peaking that got me looking my best without overcomplicating things. Um, so I'm right. just interested to know what, what protocol, what approach did you, did you find work the best for you? Um, with peaking uh, when you were working Dr. Joe? Well, probably one of the biggest things that Dr. Joe um, did for me was the, the whole water thing. Because since I was competing in the 90s, you know, everyone had this idea that you need to dehydrate yourself and that you're going to look better. And that was probably, you know, the initially I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've always done this dehydration thing and it seems to be okay. But um, if you trust it, 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 the water, you know, water in the muscle 
makes the muscle look bigger and the skin look tighter. And tight skin is, is, a, is something that people don't talk about that much, but people can have thin skin, then you, know, you could take their body fat measurements and they're very thin, but they don't look lean or they don't look hard or they don't look muscular because the muscle underneath is either not, you know, not there, not as well developed, or they're so dehydrated that it's just not full. You can't see it. So I think with Dr. Joe, that was, that was one of the challenges was trusting that that water issue was going to be the way to go. Make sure you drink water, make sure you stay hydrated versus everyone, you know, oh, I'm going to dehydrate myself and everything, you'll see everything. <laughs> so that was one of the challenges. But um, with his peaking, as far as me personally, uh, I didn't try, you know, he was, he was doing it. He was probably a couple years into it when I worked with him. And I do think that he has, as I've listened to him over the years, I've listened to his lecture multiple times because at my camps, we'd always have him come as the nutrition um, guru to do the lectures. And he's excellent. Like if you ever can get him there to, um, to lecture, he's awesome. He's very easy to follow and everything he says makes sense. But he has some great pictures of other people. And I think where he is the best, the absolute best is ectomorphs. People that are ect more ectomorph, he's able to get them so ripped and you know fill them up pretty quick fill them out and the pictures are amazing when he shows you pictures of some of the ectomorphs i was an ectomorph so you know i don't think it was as dramatic with me although i think he did a great job peaking me but um some of the clients that he's had the work that he's done with them how much bigger they're able to look because of the condition he's getting them in and that he's able to have the right combination of water, salt, and carbs that their muscle is as full as it's going to be with the thin skin. So it's pretty impressive. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I have wait, um, wait. followed loads of his clients, and I, I, I totally agree. He's, he's, he's an immense coach and a great mind in bodybuilding. Lee, go ahead. I was going to say way easier with an ectomorph, though, because you're not going to blow them up like a balloon. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, I, I don't get me wrong, an incredible talent, but you, you'll find, I mean, I've personally found that, you know, sort of the multifaceted peaking right. approaches do work better with ectomorphs across the board, don't they? Because there's less that can go wrong. I do remember the last Worlds I did, it was kind of funny because I was like, you know, I was determined that I was going to win two in a row because that was, that was my problem. I was doing this every other thing and I'm, you know, off focus. I want to win this one. And so I met with Joe early in the morning and, um, you know, I'm thinking he's going to give me, I don't know, rice cakes or, you know, something to eat. And I met with him and he's like, you know what? I don't think you, I think you should just drink your water. And I'm like, what? Like, he's like, yeah, you know what? I, I don't see anyone here beating you today. We don't want any spillover. Just go as you are and just sip your water. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> so different things work and and so i didn't really you know do much and then you know when i got backstage i think we had you know i i maybe had a rice cake before i went on stage and that was it and uh a rice cake yeah the yeah. entire one just one yeah exactly the one <laughs> magic peak in protocol yeah. 
still so, you know and, and again you know the nice thing is with the pros and and lee you know you know who you're competing against yeah you know who's in it you know you know what it's going to be you're you're pretty sure you know people can come in different every year but obviously you know who most of the players are going to be and there's always surprises you guys have brought some big surprises over from the uk well, uh, and again, it's like you said, it's that, that back in the old days approach of having to work for years and years and years before you get your pro card. I mean, if you look at the look at the two guys that have come, well, the three guys, sorry, I'm talking about male competitors now. I know yeah. there have been a lot of good women. Yeah. But if you look at the three male competitors that have come to the world and won a world title on their debut, mm -hmm. you know, you're looking at Rich Gosdecki, Sam Watt, Mark Oakes. You know, Oaks have been British champion five times. Yeah. You know, uh, and he already run won a different version of an amateur world title. Sam Watt, you know, right. I, I don't know how many powerlifting world titles he'd won, but, it, you know, you'd struggle yeah. to count them on two right. hands. So he won 2013. Um, the first Worlds at Gazdecki won, I was the head judge at that one. 11, 2011. Yeah. yeah. yeah when he beat Martin Daniels. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah. He beat Martin Daniels and then won the overall against Siobhan Cunningham. Yeah. And that was definitely um uh that was exciting because you know it was exciting for all the judges. Everyone was like, Who is this guy? I, go, I sent a photograph I to Charlie. I down and I said, We're gonna remember this guy. <laughs> I sent I sent a photograph to Charlie that had been taken at my contest. Yeah. Uh, when he won his pro card, and um, and I sent that photograph to Charlie Carollo, just say, "Oh, this is the guy I'm bringing," because you know he said to me, "You know, don't be giving pro cards to people if they're not good enough." You know, you're a new right. promoter, and we don't want you over there in England causing anarchy <laughs> and watering down the pro ranks. So I sent him a picture of Gosdecki, and he just sent me back a. a you remember Charlie's emails were always written in bold and always in capital letters, weren't okay. they? Never yeah. the, the longest piece of writing I ever got from Charlie was that title of the email every time I try and get away from this shit it pulls me back in yeah, right. his, email, his emails were five like, five words long maximum mm -hmm. and he just sent me this email back wow he is good yeah you know and that was another thing I wanted to you know I, I've been trying to get a point across to people this year you know that year 2011 you know we had 48 people in that contest that was our first UK championship. 48 people in the contest. Mm -hmm. You know, Rich Gosdecki won that overall and got his pro card. And not a it single person well. could ever say he didn't deserve his pro status or he wasn't one of the best in the world just because there's 48 people in the show. And I'm trying to get people to lean away from the, oh, well, you know, not many people are going to compete this year, so it won't be a special kind of attitude. You know, mm -hmm. if there's... If there's 48 people in my contest in my UK Championships in October, and another another top level pro comes out of it, then it's every bit as special. Right. Actually, actually, quite ironic that it's our tenth Championships. Oh, that's cool. and it and it looks like we're going to end up exactly back where we started. Yeah. How well, about you know, that? You don't know. You'll see. But well, I mean, again, I'd be happy. That, that first year that Gazdecki won, I remember. Um, you know, Charlie would have me go down. I. I a couple of the years I only did, I was head judge for the women, but that year was the men and the women. And um, he was phenomenal. Like he was, you know, everything. But probably the biggest thing was that he was polished. His mm -hmm. presentation, his, um, his routine 
uh, hands down. I mean, that was so much better than everyone else, but just the, the composure on stage, the being prepared for stage, because, you know, here there's, you'll see even at our world championships, sometimes you'll have a pro up there that when they actually hit the pose, they look good, but in between they're, they're, you know, they look like they don't even belong on stage. I'll go as far as saying. So, you know, he was just polished in every way, well-prepared, awesome. He was awesome. He had an incredible posing coach when he first started out, Richard did. Yeah. Lee Camp? <laughs> no. What would make oh, you feel okay. that? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course it was me, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I knew. I knew. Because, Lee, you, your guys are always prepared for stage. And I think if you look at, like, U.S., if you watch the world, watch some of the videos, um, you can see the level coming from the UK as far as the performance level is way higher. And it kind of goes back to like when you look back at the older shows and, you know, performance is huge. The routine is huge. You want to, you know, that's an extension of the person. That's them being able to really display all they've worked for. And I, I found here, especially in the United States, that some of the competitors, even our top pros, are not spending as much time on that. And obviously, you know, the best physique should win, but there's a lot of sure. people who win the scoring. And I will say at that particular world, when Gazdecki won the overall for the first time, a lot of it had to do with his performance, his ability to pose, his routine, which was still in our head, so as we're watching the overall, we're still thinking like, oh my God, this guy was like, you know, professional. Like it was mm -hmm. choreographed and he had every good pose. Everything that this guy looks good doing was in it. You know, he's not doing the shots he doesn't look good. He's not running around the stage just throwing his arms up, asking for people to cheer. He's doing a, mm -hmm. uh, a work of art. It's a piece of art, the posing routine. So... Yeah. You know, people will discredit that, but in the pros, the routine counts. And I know at that world, there were many judges that were like, I mean, after that routine and the presentation this guy put on, how could you not have him win? It was, yeah, it was, it was the deal stealer for Rich. I mean, him and Daniels, both years they competed together, 11 and 12, it was nip and tuck. Yeah. Physique-wise, they both looked perfect. And yeah. in 2012, Martin Daniels tried his absolute best. You know, he, he posed a little bit better and he pulled the uh, Stars and Stripes out of his trunks and waved it around on stage. And But yeah. not enough. Rich, Rich, Rich can't be beaten in round three in that pro contest. But oh. Leonardo Casagrande was the lightweight winner that year. That was the guy whose name I was struggling to get off the yeah. tip of my tongue. He's just come for uh, fifth place in the last two worlds as a lightweight, went away yeah. for a while and came back. Yep. Yeah, I, rem I remember it like it was yesterday. And Richard actually did a, uh, a repeat of that exact routine when he guest posed at our UK championships mm. in 2013 on his way to the world championships where I, I thought he was very unlucky to come second against Abraham Charbe. Because Charbe, yeah. to me going slightly off tilt was Charbe was the epitome of one of these guys who had a great physique but couldn't pose. Oh yeah. He spent yeah. he spent half the pre-judging with his hands on his knees, gasping for breath, with his yeah. belly hanging out. So I just can't see how he could have beat Richard that year. He couldn't hold a pose. But that's that's a debate for another day. But Rich Rich actually repeated that uh, world championships winning routine when he guest posed at our nationals. 
because he never had a record of it. And he always said that was his favourite routine that he oh ever did, God, that eleven routine. And he wanted to do it again on stage so that he'd have a video of himself doing the oh, routine. That's awesome. So yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring up that routine because it was a yeah. very special one for him as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but then, yeah, like I say, you know, the, the talent that comes out of this country has come from the fact that, and, and it was happening. I know people, we have a, we have a structure over here where you have to compete in a regional event to qualify for the nationals and then you win the nationals and you come to the worlds. And we came under a little bit of criticism before we started doing that, when we just had an open show where people said that it didn't mean as much to just win one contest to be national champion. Um, and I've always disagreed with that. I've got to be honest because Rich Gosdecki and Mark Oaks both did it. Yeah, right. And they're two of our greatest no, pro bodybuilders yeah. of all time. You know, and, Absolutely. you know, so I, I, the, the best bodybuilder will always, the, the cream will always rise to the top, won't it? Yeah. But, um, but that was a good moment. That was a, you know, he, he kind of came in, you know, probably not to you guys, but here in the U.S., people are like, wait, who is this guy? Like, how come we've never seen him? Oh, they started saying that backstage, trust me. Yeah, right. With, ex with, with expletives. I'm sure. Like, yeah. what? what is going on what the here? Yeah. Did you test this guy? Yeah, we tested him. He's good. He's yeah. clean. Um, yeah. and, and he was in Atlantic City. 12, was, Atlantic yeah, 12 City, yeah. Atlantic City. Yeah, because I remember that show, I did some interviews. So I interviewed him backstage. Um, after the pre-judging, Charlie had me go back and interview some of the guys. So. I remember I was standing right next to him just off camera. That was the first time you and I met in person, yeah. was yeah. backstage when you were interviewing the guys in, in Atlantic yeah. City. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. You know, I think we should get back to that. It was, yeah. That a nice addition to add, you know, add some backstage action in there and, and then hear from some of the people because they worked so hard to get there. And, you know, for, for a lot of them, it's, uh, they've made a lot of sacrifices and it's good to hear it, especially for upcoming people, you know, that it's not just, uh, go in and win a show and get to worlds and there you are and you win and you're done. And, you know, there's a lot to it. So it's cool. That's one of the cool things of the sport, getting to meet all different people. I think that was one of the benefits of having the magazine, wasn't it? Because it yeah. was a very media-focused event. The, the yeah. bodybuilding shows, I mean, the WMBF started essentially after the magazine started, didn't it? Yes. You know, yeah. Che had men's exercise and women's yeah. exercise. They were his two magazines. And, yeah. and the w, one of the motivating factors behind the WMBF starting was to get material for the magazines. The athletes were having photo shoots and providing yeah. articles and, Another interesting fact that we never we, we never thought of was um, bikini and physique competition because mm. Che actually invented those, didn't he? He did. That was yeah. that was Che's invention. Yeah. It was called Mr. Athletic and Miss Best Mid Body. Exercise. No, Miss no, no. So, so first, this is actually funny because people always will bring up, you know, the history of figure. And if you go back, if you go back far enough, um, we had the figure and then we had this thing called Ms. Exercise. It used to be right. World and Mr. Fit. It was like Mr. Fit and Miss Exercise. And it was fitness, so, wasn't it? With the handstands and the cartwheels. Was, and... But then when they, when we evolved into figure, 
So we had Fig Gear. Um, and I always remind people because she's a promoter for us, Karen Minetti, you know, yeah. was a promoter. And if you look at her, she was competing in a lot of different categories. She won the figure world championship early on. And at the time she won, it was still called Ms. Exercise. Mm-hmm. So we were calling, and then that kind of changed as the, the bikini, like you said, they called it best body. So we had Ms. Exercise that was figure, which became figure. And we had best body, which became bikini. Yeah. And when bikini became bikini, figure became figure. And, you know. The, the names changed over the years. Yeah. But those actual lighter classes, they were around in yeah. the mid-90s. And Che invented them, didn't they, to yeah. be more mainstream. Yeah. Karen Manetti, incidentally. Uh, Karen Walsh Manetti, who's uh, married to Anthony. Um, yeah. She won the Worlds. Am I right thinking she won the Worlds in 11? Weren't her and Richard on the front cover of Natural Bodybuilding magazine? Figure, yeah, she won yeah. the figure. Yeah, yeah she won. She won that world in eleven. Yeah, I remember. Yep, she had won the universe, and I think that was kind of people were, you know, she wasn't as muscular as some of the figure competitors at the time, but I think that the the criteria for the judging favored her because it put a little more weight on presentation, and and beauty mm-hmm. was still part of figure then. Figure, you know, wasn't just physique based. Where now it's just physique base where we're scoring symmetry and muscularity and the posing. So, um, so the criteria has changed over the years, you know, even if you think back, Lee, remember at one point in the bodybuilding, we had the mass round because the bodybuilding was not going the way Charlie liked. He didn't like the way the scoring was going because there was this, this trend of, of the most ripped person winning. And Charlie's like, come on, it's bodybuilding. Come on. <laughs> I love Charlie. So, so to make it more muscular, he adds in around the mass round. That's right. There were three scores and there were, there were like four poses, weren't there? That you, yeah. Your body and mass was judged on. And they were, yes, exactly. And you know what? Gazdecki was in that era of the mass yeah. round. Yeah. And it, it really made a big difference for him because you had that plus the, plus the, you know, the, the routine. I still, from a judging perspective, just sneak, sneaking this one in, and, and sure. I spoke about it previously, and Mark Oakes spoke about it last week. Yeah. Um, we, and we've spoken about this. Isn't, I'm, I'm not hijacking you with this, even though you, you didn't know it was going to be a I question. Anything, Lee, it's, fine. <laughs> it's something we discussed, because there was a result at the Worlds last year that I particularly objected to, and you know that, because we spoke yeah. about it. Not I wasn't being critical. I, I was pointing out that, there's a problem here that's caused this. Yeah. Uh, and it was Levi Burge not winning the lightweights. Right. Because in my, in my view, he was the best bodybuilder in the pro worlds last year. He should have been yeah. the overall winner by, by a yeah. mile. Yeah. But he, he, he lost the, he lost his division, let alone the overall, mm-hmm. because equal weight is given to symmetry imposing over the muscularity round, which is combined mass and condition now. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on, I mean, Mark and I are both quite adamant that the best way to decide this is to just award first place to the best physique. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a judging system that, that, that would benefit somebody like Levi. What are your thoughts on that? So I think with Levi, there were a number of different, um, different issues with this, you know, that, that happened or unfortunate series of events for him as a competitor, um, when he would have been in the center next to the ultimate winner, was he standing right next to him? And how long did it take to get him next to him? 
and had judges already scored. So, you know, there's, there's a number of things. The other part of the symmetry, and I always remind my, um, my judging panel, and we did go over this, and Mark knows we went over this, that the symmetry is not just the structure. And so people confuse symmetry and structure because mm -hmm. they think someone, the best structure is the most symmetrical. And it no. may or may not be because you have to look at the muscularity is the muscularity, is the muscularity of this competitor symmetrical. And someone can have a great structure but not have the other side of it, which is the muscularity mm -hmm. symmetry. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of components that judges are deciding on, but our scoring system was set up the way that it is so that there is some weight put on the symmetry, which if somebody is a great bodybuilder, you know, over the years, you're going to work on your symmetry and you're going to work on your muscularity. How do you work on the symmetry? You're going to try to add muscle to make yourself look better balanced. You're going to try to do all these things. I don't know in that world that a single score system would have changed the outcome. Um, I think that I, I would have to look at the score sheets to really deal with facts. I think that in the case of, and we've talked about this, where you have symmetry and muscularity, and if you have ties, how are we going to break the tie? The routine should be coming in there as a, as a factor in breaking the tie. Um, but I think that the idea that the symmetry round should be the trump card and, and the determining factor, that maybe we need to look at that. Maybe we need to say, you know what, it's got to be just whichever person overall is a better bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Because from a symmetry standpoint, you know, the other person had a maybe had a better structure. Oh, well, absolutely no, no disrespect whatsoever to Adrielinas. Yeah, Adrielinas, great. I remember seeing him in LA in uh, 2018. When right. He came fourth in mm -hmm. the lightweight division that Ben Howard won. And mm -hmm. everybody was looking at him backstage because structurally yeah. he's really no, good. Yeah, he's right. got full muscles. Everybody was looking at him. Right. If you were going to look at him to Levi, you're going to look at the two competitors. Um, he clearly has the, the winner had the better structure. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. But from a muscularity symmetrical standpoint, Levi maybe had him because Levi's a little, you know, more muscular back. Front to back, he's a little bit better, the side. But Levi's structure, genetic structure, his actual, you know, bone structure, not as good. And so, you know, whether it was uh, um, the tiebreaker or the routine, um, I think that, that it was a close call and the panel didn't agree. Um, I could quickly look up the, the results to see where they were, but... There were, uh, I think, in that class, there were three people that had first place votes. Okay. So, Which, again, wouldn't, I mean, they were wouldn't good. surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise really me. Good. It was yeah. a tight class. There were 14 in that division, weren't there? 14. Right. 14 so, lightweights. In the UK, do you do single class scoring? You just pick the winner? The way that we've always done it is have single class scoring. However, 
we do stay true to the the, the basis of the WMBF ideals in the, in our amateur divisions. Yes, we have a single score after the comparisons. So the routine doesn't count in the amateurs. The routine isn't scored in amateur bodybuilding, right. is it? So we, we, we collect the judges' scorecards in with the single court score on after the comparison round. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we have the professional bodybuilders, um, well, at any of the professional events, we take a single score, but we take the scorecards in after all three rounds, or after all three parts, after the, the, the comparisons of both right. quarter turns and muscularity poses and the routine have been done. The routine is very, very rare because it's not a dancing contest, is it? You know, they've got to make a decision somehow. But we do, we do let the judges hold on to their cards until that routine's (laughs) out of the way, in case they need to factor it into their decision with the pros, because we have to stay in line with the WMBF ideals in that in that respect. We can't just change the rules, basically. So yeah, well, we we have we have talked about simplifying the process, and that has been brought up a few times but um the feeling with a lot of the promoters especially with bringing on and this is not for worlds this is you know all over we're having a novice show here we're having this here training new judges that to um train them to be looking for these things and that these are important that we still keep them separate um you know that that those are the components of making a good pro that they are symmetrical and you know that's the WMBF always had the symmetry as the the uh, trump card where uh, if you won the symmetry if it was a tie you won well, and you, you had to have pretty physiques for the magazine didn't you exactly and that's where it was coming from but mm-hmm. I do agree that's something we should probably look at and, and and you know that's what we're always looking to stay more up to date we've made some changes to criteria in multiple classes in the figure class we changed the criteria a little bit the bikini criteria has changed the physique some of the posing has changed so it's it's always um an area that we look at we look at results we look at outcomes and then you try to make decisions that are going to be user friendly to all the judges across the country. Sure. They're going to be able to apply these rules and apply this criteria. And, you know, that we're going to have champions that exemplify what we're looking for in each, each category with the criteria. Got you. And, and like I say, to, to, to sort of top and tail what I've been saying there, um, if he's listening, um, and I, I, I don't know if he will or won't, but, you know, in, in respect of Adria Linus, uh, who did yeah. win that show, I mean, no disrespect to him at all. An yeah. amazing physique. When, when he came forth the year prior, I was helping Ben and Damien backstage, mm-hmm. uh, who came first and third. And they right. were both looking at him with their jaws hanging open. And I said, you, you two are lucky that boy's not in shape this year because he'd have kicked your ass in front of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. there's a, he there's a life there's a life feed on this show and he'd have kicked your ass in front of the whole world if he was in shape yeah, yeah it, was, it was one of those things but to me you know i i would have gone the other way and i know that a lot yeah. of people feel the same yeah um, but 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 it but it is what it is it is what it yeah. is let's get back, let's get levi, back i will say this with levi levi's had uh, multiple years where he's lost to the overall winner and he's yeah. an incredible bodybuilder and he unbelievable he has not 
fared as well, you know, for whatever reason where, you know, he's second, the guy that beat him wins the overall, yeah. uh, you know, different situations and he keeps getting better. So, you know, as far as fueling the fire, that guy is still, I think still will be better next year. We'll see him. He'll be better. I hope so. I yeah. do hope so because he deserves a world title and yeah. he's also been really unlucky because there were days of like sliding weight divisions weren't there where yeah. you know he competes as a lightweight in 13 when the weight division set at 165 mm-hmm. so he rolls up in 14 weighing 165 and all of a sudden he's a middleweight and right. then he came second to Cleveland no came third behind sure. Siobhan and Cleveland sure. that class was incredible though with yeah. him and you know he helped Cleveland win he helped. Yeah. He helped Cleveland win that. Really? Yeah, because the comparisons. He had a lot of things that Siobhan didn't. So he, he exposed some weaknesses because he was there. If he hadn't been there, it may have been closer. You know what? And, and this is another, that is absolute solid gold. And this is sort of touching on the judging side of things again. Yeah. Um, you know, people, people, probably won't no excuse me <clears throat> people will probably won't know that as an intricacy of bodybuilding judging but i i i do the same thing you know if it's really close between first and second take a look at the guy who you think you're going to be in third and see who he stacks up better against right well and if he stacks up better against the guy that comes second well you know if with levi being tighter with Siobhan than he was with Cleveland then it it kind of quid pro quo Cleveland is the better of Siobhan and Cleveland and it's a really really good way to help you make a decision well well, I'll give you a women's one that was controversial and people always are don't totally understand this you will know exactly what's going to the outcome's going to be in Atlantic City if you remember when Tiffany Sipos won the figure oh god yeah Yeah. up in arms about you know oh she shouldn't have won too muscular too this too that um so on that in that class she was in four competitors got first place votes four different people four Mm -hmm. had first place votes so whenever that happens and first gets split whoever has the most seconds win so she had also anyone that didn't put her she had one first place vote but as people were putting other people first everyone put her second she wins the seconds yeah, she won because everybody had a second. It's amazing, exactly, isn't it? Exactly because and we've had yeah, we've had the same. It's a consensus, yeah. it's a panel yeah. decision. Yeah. It's a general consensus decision, and we've had yeah. the same. Yeah. Somebody has won a bodybuilding contest before yeah. because practically all the judges had them second. Yeah, and Levi, if you look back, he had some pretty good battles with Whitaker. Totally yeah. different physique, but he was right there. And uh his mm. day'll come. His day'll come. He deserves it. He keeps working hard, he keeps getting better. I hope so. I mean, it was a special year last year with it being the 30th year, wasn't it? And yeah. it would have been absolutely magical to see Levi finally win it on the 30th right. year. It's a big, it was a big title to have, wasn't it? You know, the 30th WMBF world champion. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't begrudge Kendall the overall title or, you know, because a great bodybuilder, but it's, uh, yeah, Levi's day will come and it will taste sweet when he gets here. Yes. So let's get, let, let's get back on track. Cause I'm, I'm mindful, and I know AJ's mindful, that this is probably going to have to be split into two parts, this podcast, isn't it? Um, and sort of put out separately, because we've been we've okay. put some time in now. And, Potentially. Uh, and, and I, sometimes, I mean, sometimes the listeners drop off if you do it in two parts. Okay. Because, 
because they, they listen to one and they forget to listen to two. It always happens. So we'll probably just put it up as one big one, to be honest, mate. But it's, okay. it's all quality, so they'll just keep listening. Well, yeah, it's, well, uh, it's been so good. Forever, right? We- <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, and, 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 you know, going back to, to, to your husband, Jim, as well, I mean, if I ever get him on a podcast, then people... Oh, you'll better- get him on. They better get. They better get some snacks and a blanket ready because yeah. we'll be here for twelve hours. I always right. joke with um, Jim Broderick with with Nancy's Jim. Um, I always joke with him that we're going to buy tickets for the Olympia one year. Yeah, we're going to sit next to each other in the audience like Waldorf and Statler from the Muppet Show. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know what's be... funny when when, uh, when Cutler was up and coming. We used to go to every, like everything Cutler was in, we went around with him. It was me, Rick Silverman. Yeah, Dr. Silverman, the plastic yeah, surgeon. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, and, uh, and Jim and I, and once in a while, Gansey would come along, but we were traveling all over, and that's what it was like a commentary. We're going back and forth. Who's going to win? Who's going to do this? It was fun. Yeah, these guys, I was saying to them, we'd sit in the, in the Olympia audience and say, ah, these guys, they don't look the same anymore. Yeah, right. Do you remember, do you remember Haney? Haney could pose. Oh, I know. Yeah, do you remember, you know, do you, you remember, you remember Labrada? He had a shape. <laughs> no. no, there were so many. There, you know what's funny? I love watching all the old stuff, just going back and looking at the old, you know, the old bodybuilding stuff. Uh, um, even the non-tested stuff, I love watching it. And you, it, it, what was really interesting with it is, you know, you see a lot of the things that we look for in natural bodybuilders. They all had them. You weren't, they weren't these big monsters. They yeah. were, you know, guys that had small waists that were pleasing to look at, that were great showmen, you know, and really it's, it's changed. It's changed a lot. But um, Dwayne Broadway, we got to bring up Dwayne, our buddy. We're going to talk uh, about Dwayne. Dwayne was competing. Yeah, he was competing against those guys, natural, yeah. and, and uh, he's pretty amazing. He's he's done a lot in bodybuilding, what? and I love having him as a as a judge, a head judge, or a judge at shows. Um, he's just he's been in the sport forever, but he knows his stuff. Yeah, well, he was my he was my housemate for the weekend when I came over for Bill Murphy's funeral. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the conversations we had. And going back to the Bob Gruskin reference from earlier, uh, and anybody that doesn't know who Bob Gruskin is, Google him, Google him, do some research. The guy, you know, sad loss to the game, huge historian, massive part of the sport. But um, Gruskin's sort of archives, when he passed away, were given to all of the people they related to, weren't they? Yeah. You know, his filing cabinets full of stuff. Is uh, you know I don't know if it was his family or those closest to him were giving the the files that he had on competitors that he worked with back to the competitors and oh that's cool. Dwayne put some stuff up on Facebook, some old magazine pictures from yeah. when he won when he won the you know the AAU Teenage Mister America back in the seventies. Right. You know, winning the Teenage Mister America before I was born and. But he's, but he's kept his knowledge current with the sport, hasn't he? He's, you know, he, he's not stuck in the past. He isn't oh. like some old dinosaur. He, he gets where the sport is now. He stayed current with his knowledge, and he's yeah. an absolute pleasure to be around. He's amazing, yeah. Dwayne. He's really yeah. is. We look, we're lucky, we're lucky to have him around us, definitely. Yeah, yeah. he's promoting um, for a show this year. That he is. Was, yeah, because I, I, um, I pushed him into it, but <laughs> it's Battle for Broadway. 
in, in Jersey, isn't it? It's over in New Jersey where well, he, where he lives. We couldn't get a, we're having it in Brooklyn this year because I was able to get a nice, a nice little theater for him to put <laughs> it at because um, we wanted it to be, you know, intimate where it's a smaller, yeah. um, you know, smaller show. And, and we're going to do a special, some special awards for teenagers in honor of Dwayne's teenage Mr. America win. That's amazing. So in the U.S., the teenage has not really caught on as well as other areas. We don't have a lot of teens getting involved in bodybuilding. Which is a shame. I mean, we, we try our best to bring our national teenage champion over, you know. Yeah. Obviously, that relies on, we, we try and raise enough money to pay for our whole team to come over every year. And, yeah. you know, we, we try and bring our teenage champion over whenever we can. Right. Um, I was really upset, actually, because a couple of years ago, the guy, the guy last year opted not to do it because he didn't expect to win our nationals and he already had a vacation booked to go yeah. sit on a beach and drink beer somewhere. But the, <laughs> the year before... The guy that won our teen nationals actually turned 20 before the Worlds, so he couldn't compete as a teen, so he, he didn't come with us. But we try and bring a teen every year, and yeah. the classes are usually, you know, two or three people, but they're all from Europe. Yeah. Yeah, they all come over from Europe. It's crazy. Yeah, we were but able to recruit a few, like the Monster Mash had a couple of teens, and they did go um, last year. Yes, they did. Good experience, but... You know, it's tough for teens. I think there's a lot of sports here. The kids get involved in sports mm. at a pretty high level at a young age, and they're training so much for one particular sport. They're, you know, specializing at a young age. And so the bodybuilding, oh. you know, becomes something maybe as they get older they do. But we're really trying with Dwayne's show because he's right in, you know, New York, New Jersey, that metro New York area. Mm -hmm. um, get some teens interested in it. And Dwayne's going to do some posing classes. And, um, you know, we're hopeful that we can get some people. I know um, Ian Mercer is down there in that area too. Yes, he is. Yeah. Ian's brought a lot, you know, done a lot to get some young people involved and including you know, Kai Green. Yeah. Including <laughs> Kai, Green. <laughs> Kai Green when he was 19, that was right. probably Ian Mercer's greatest discovery, wasn't it? Exactly. But Ian's a good guy and he's always, you know, recruiting people for the natural and trying to get, so he'll, he'll be part of Dwayne's show too, but I'm really happy for Dwayne because, you know, he's had an unbelievable career as a competitor and, and now, you know, he's given a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of himself into the whole federation for the last you know, 20 years as a, mm -hmm. a support person, whether it's, you know, judging or whatever we, whatever we need help with, he's willing sure. to help him, Bill Murphy, uh, Jimmy Champy, you know, Rick Silverman, those guys have been with me all along and are always there and willing to help. And all, and all amazing guys. Yeah. Kristen Fonseca, Laura Turtle, you know, we have a great crew here that are all, can't forget my Michelle that does the backstage for no, me. Absolutely not. Um, you know, so there's a lot of good people, but um, this is going to be big for Dwayne. I think he's going to really enjoy the, you know, going from just being a judge and to really having his own event and being able to personalize it and to be able to get some more, more teens involved and, and just like he got started in it as yeah. a teen. Awesome. Yeah, it's a shame I'm going to miss it. It's uh, around about the same time as my nationals, and I'm going to be yeah. snowed under with one thing or another. Then, right. probably, probably, probably making little markers for the floor to make sure everybody's standing two meters away. Yeah, but, uh, but we'll do. Yeah, we'll do we what it takes. Do but you know what? That's going to actually make the judging interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, if it's a thing. If it's even a thing by well, then, this could all be coming gone. June 20th, it is. Well, it will be for you guys, right. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what it does. But in some ways, I like it because I know everyone's got their own style for judging. But I always like to look at people alone for, you know, I really like to look at them alone and just be like, okay, you know, this guy's missing that. Or, you know, you kind of take inventory. Yeah. What they're missing, what they have, what they're missing, what they, and if you really take the time to look at every person um, individually, rather than how they compare to the others, just kind of look at their physique and be like, okay, they're good here. They're not good here. And you, and you, you need to have good mental notes, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it does help when you go to do the comparisons because you already kind of have taken that initial inventory of strengths, weaknesses on each person. Yeah. And because they're going to be spaced out, I think it's going to be even more, you, we're going to see more of that because the, the, the spacing on stage, I think we have to be over six feet if we don't want to wear masks. So we will go six and a half feet so that they don't have to wear masks on stage. And you'll have to look closer. You'll have to look at their physiques closer. Yeah, exactly. And- that's, that's kind of where I was going with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and basically, I mean, uh, the biggest bonus for me would be if there's another 14 person lineup at the Worlds this year and the rules are still in place, we won't have to see all 14 of them side by side because that drives me crazy. Yeah. You know, I've always, I know they're professional athletes and I know everybody's worked hard to be up there, but let's, let's look at the top five. Yeah. Let's focus on the top five and maybe splitting the lineup up will, will be helpful. I don't know, but. Well, you know, we have talked about, you know, once you get beyond a certain point, you know, beyond 10th, are we really giving those people a fair enough look and enough time to really judge 10 to 20? You know Especially I mean? if they're stood at opposite ends of the line and yeah. next to each other as no, well. And it becomes a, a check off that you got to get. I, if I came to 12th in a bodybuilding contest, I wouldn't want you to tell me. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I wouldn't yeah. want to know. If Ooh, I'm in wow. the top six, I'm, I'm in the top six. And if I'm out the top six, I'm out the top six. Yeah. And, you know, if, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get into because I know we've got some list of questions too, and I bet we've got okay. some good ones. I know I've got a good one that okay. came directly to me, so I'm gonna get into uh, my stock questions. That I fire <laughs> quick fire at the end of my, uh, my conversations with people. Um, and so, unless you have got something else you want to add, AJ, before we move on. No, mate. No, and just a note on listener questions as well. Um, we didn't do IG questions. We just did topics this time. So I've already flooded in pretty much every topic I wanted to cover from all of the people that DM me um, through nu- okay. it was mainly nutrition and training related. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, I've got my three, my three daft trivia questions and then I've got two good ones to put on the end of that. So okay. let's fire away. So firstly, Nancy, yes. um, what is the funniest thing you have ever seen? What was that? Wait, it got cut out. Yeah, he's cut out. Hold on. Yeah, he cut out. What was the funniest thing? That's all I got. <laughs> he might, he might come back. Hopefully, he comes back. Okay. I'll, um, okay. I'll, I'll see what happens with him. But I know what the question is. Okay. Are you still there? Yeah, you're still there. He's just. Free. I'm here. All right. Yeah, he's so, frozen. So the trivia question is, uh, okay. what's the fun? What's the funniest thing you've seen at a bodybuilding show? <laughs> the funniest. Yeah. Um, might take a bit of thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of funny things. Uh, um, okay. 
Well, wait, let me think. I'm trying. I, there's a lot of funny ones. Um, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you one funny one. It's a whole story of a group of girls that were competing. They were competing in. It was when we had the figure with the routine, and the two girls came and they they um, got to the show, and <laughs> they didn't realize that they both go on stage at the same time. So they only had one pair of shoes for the two girls. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so how was this going to work? They're like, well, we didn't know we'd go together. Like we only bought one pair of shoes. Uh -huh. So the two girls um, <laughs> do the, we find a pair of shoes for the girl. So we have the two girls. Now they each have their own shoes and they compete and the whole thing's over and you know they're off stage where and this is when we used to do the the show in two parts and they came over and they said oh do you know if our <laughs> do you know if our subs have been delivered and i'm like your subs like submarine sandwiches there was a, a pizza shop around the corner and i'm like wait what do you mean they're like oh well, before we competed we ordered some ham and cheese subs uh, sandwiches and they were supposed to deliver them. <laughs> we all were just like cracking up like oh my god first these girls come with one pair of shoes for two people and now they're ordering submarine sandwiches like these big sandwiches for lunch <laughs> so that was kind of funny because they didn't they had no idea they just saw that it was like they thought it was a swimsuit contest and and that was it and they didn't realize that there was so much more involved that was one of my <laughs> Funny. Yeah, that's funny. I'm sure. I'm sure Lee will have examples of people not understanding the the process of the competition either. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and pause. I actually have another funny one that I'll see if you've ever experienced this. Go for it. We're recording, so go ahead with okay. the funny one. Okay. All right. So here's another funny one. There's two more I want to tell. I've had so many over the years, but this one was really funny. People can't believe it. So we had a guy that competed in the like over 60 and I usually give the Niels Anderson sculptures, you know, as my trophy. So I gave him his trophy. He got his award and he left, I thought. And then I see him over there on the side, like kind of going through the other trophies. And one of the ladies that works backstage is like, Nancy, you better come back. And so I go back and he's like, Hey, wait a second. You gave me the wrong trophy. And I was like, well, what do you, what are you talking about? And I look at the trophy. I'm like, no, this is your trophy. No, no, no. I, I should be getting a big one because I got first place, a bigger one. And, and, and I'm like, no, this is the trophy for your class. Like, this is what you're going to get. And, and then I see him like kind of go away and I go back and then I see the sign again, come back that I need to come back. They're like, this guy's trying to take trophies. Like he was trying to like slide his trophy. And when the, when the, when the people went out for the overall, he came back over and he put his trophy down on the floor and picked up someone else's, a bigger one. Cause they were in the open. They were in the, they're out on stage in the overall. And this Ooh. guy's like starting to skedaddle with the trophy. So I go running after him. He's like, look at, I won first place. I deserve the trophy. I deserve the bigger trophy. And I was like, look, first of all, I would never say this, but you didn't beat anyone. Like, you got a trophy, but you didn't beat anyone. And it's up to the promoter to decide the trophies, not the competitors. And he's like, you know I won. You know I deserve. And I said, look, 
you did great. You were awesome. But this is the trophy I have for you today. <laughs> so that was kind of funny, the skedaddling with the trophy. And then my one other funny one was the judging one. And, and uh, Lee, you'll, you'll appreciate this. It was with Charlie. There was an older oh. guy that used to compete in all of our events. And he was really big, a big guy. And he usually didn't come in super conditioned. But this one year, he came in really, really, really conditioned for him, especially. And he was huge. So he was tough to beat. And he's in shape for the first time. And Charlie had seen him for years because Charlie used to come up and judge my show. And he was in, you know, a big class. Say there's eight guys and he was really good. He's going to win the class. And Charlie goes, wow, you know, this guy looks good. The dinosaur. The dinosaur finally, you know, got it together. He's looking great. He's good. So when the dinosaur comes out and the, he's like, oh, this is going to be interesting when we see him later in the other classes, because we knew he was going to cross into the open. He was in the heavyweight. And he comes out in the heavyweight and Charlie like looks up and down the, the panel and he turns to my husband and he goes, Jim, now he's going against some people. <laughs> my wow. husband just like, starts laughing like, what was he going against before? Now he's going against. <laughs> some people <laughs> so we always laughed about that that charlie like was like you know he went against these other people they weren't people now he's going against some people so that was a funny one that was a funny charlie story and, and we loved him like that was just the way he was like he'd say stuff that you were like okay <laughs> amazing amazing okay so my my, my second question uh, your biggest gym fail, the biggest, the biggest boo-boo you made in the gym. Uh, you know, again, it's probably where I spent the year, you know, over dieting and over training just, and, and really at that time, there weren't a lot of resources for training. So I was kind of taking my gymnastics background and saying, this is, this is what I'm going to do because I know if I keep training hard and doing all this, I'm going to keep getting better. And that was a huge, huge mistake that I just, you know, the high reps, the volume, and, you know, you, I would read in the magazine, the other magazines, not the tested, but, you know, I'd read in muscle and fitness. I'd be like, Oh, I like Linda Murray. So I'm going to go on Linda Murray's plan and just not giving myself enough time to recover. So that was just like a whole year of just beating myself up and not benefiting at all from it, other than that I learned I shouldn't do that. <laughs> so you learn from everything, but sometimes it's things you shouldn't do, not things you should do. But did you ever, did you ever do something dumb? Like, I'll tell you what mine was. You know, when I was a kid, I, uh, the first time I ever went into a gym and saw an Olympic bar, it didn't compute in my head that the bar weighed something. Oh, you know, I was training at home with just a, you know, right. a, you know, a, a catalog store barbell set, and yeah. this Olympic bar was on the bench, and I didn't compute that it weighed anything. So I loaded on the weight that I normally used at home, oh. took the bar off, and the whole thing just crushed me. And then oh I, my it, God. I took the plates off and flipped over like like a like a real sort of you know. Comedy accident in the gym is what yeah, I mean by gym. Have you ever done anything crazy like that? No, I didn't really have anything like that. We used to do a workout show with Jim. I used to do one with Jim, and there was always a little comedy in that. But uh, he, it was his show. It was called Body Works, and we would go through okay. 
you know, different kinds of stuff. And there was always like little jokes in there, but no, nothing crazy. That's quite good. <laughs> you never got stuck under a heavy leg press or stuck no. in the bottom of a square, any, any little accident? No. Didn't split my pants like Tom Brady when he was golfing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. No, so no yeah. gym fails ever. Just yeah. a long-term gym fail in, in overtraining. Exactly, yeah. The, the, the third stock question then, um, I ask, I, I've been asking a lot of people, come on, you've seen it. If you could, you know, take a, a split second of your bodybuilding life, you know, that, that, that one moment where if somebody took a picture of that moment, that would be it. That would be the, the best memory of bodybuilding ever. Other than winning a contest. Winning a contest is, is, is the obvious choice. What, right. what moment in your bodybuilding career would you take and cherish forever saying, other than winning contests, because I know winning that second world title back to back, yeah, that was a big that was a big thing for you. But yeah, if you could take any one moment, what would it be? Huh, that's a, that's a tough one because there I've had so many good mo moments with all of the shows um, that that I've promoted. Uh, you know, obviously the first worlds that I did that was a big deal being the promoter of that. Mm -hmm. um, from that there were many many pictures you know the first worlds i did with tina and bob in boston lots of good memories of that but you know a specific competitor kind of memory where where somebody that i saw over the years succeeded um there's a number of them um when brian whitaker won i knew brian pretty well he had competed in um, a lot of our events, I, you know, met him, he had presented at my camps when he finally won that one really kind of like, I was like, Oh, finally, like, I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Um, that, 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 got, that got a lot of us, didn't it? Atlantic city 15 when he finally won the overall. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was definitely a moment that I was super proud of because of the person that he is and what he's done for the sport. And even though he's not, you know, it's not his profession. It's not, he, it's not his livelihood. Um, he gave a lot to the sport. He gave a lot yeah. to the fans. And, and I think, you know, if you're going to root for an underdog, he always was an underdog. You know, his genetics aren't the best. His, you know, he worked through a lot of stuff. He worked through injuries and just the person he was. So I was really, that one, I really, you know, I was really, really happy about. Um, there were, you know, other people over the years, you know, of course I'm happy for everyone, but there have been a lot of competitors that come and go. Um, so the ones that have stuck around longer, I think when they win it means a little more to me and the people that are more dedicated to, to uh, you know, me, not just me, but the WMBF and what our, our mission is and what we're trying to accomplish and the people that have con contributed you know, it, it, those ones probably mean a little bit more to me than when you have, you know, someone that just comes and wins, that's, you know, comes and goes. And even the cross competing here where you have people going to different, different organizations and stuff like that. Um, it's uh, Whitaker's win definitely was, was big for me. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I, I really enjoyed that. That was one of my, yeah. 
I'm just, yeah, I've just switched back. And I'll, I'll say one other, I'll even go back a little more and you'll appreciate this. <laughs> um, Bill Murphy, when he was competing and he had competed oh. in like the first show that I promoted, it was a novice show, a novice, he did the novice bodybuilding, so no weight classes. And he was, you know, a, a lighter guy, a bantamweight guy. Yeah. And um, it was a mixed class, all different people. Um, and I think it was 90, maybe 96, 97. Um, he competed and he was, he came in second and he was so good. Like everyone was like, Oh my God, who is this guy? You know, he's a smaller guy, but he beat all these people. And he went on and competed in, at that time, I only had the Northeast classic. So, and I didn't do the five weight classes I did. So he was competing as a lightweight. It was lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight under 165 and he competed and he had won his class a couple of times and at that time my show was a um was a, a pro qualifier but you had to win the overall yeah. so it was not a super pro qualifier which is what i have now um we switched that at some point but anyway he he won and you know he he was losing to middleweights losing to heavyweights and he was a lighter lightweight so he, he could get by in his class but just couldn't get that overall and I remember saying to him, look, Bill, you know what? I hate to push you to another show or push you out of here, but you're good enough to be a pro. Like, it's not that you're not good enough. It's not that you don't have experience. You're beating guys that are heavier than you. But my show, unfortunately, is an overall qualifier. So why don't you go down, down to New York and mm -hmm. go and compete with Charlie's? Because Charlie's show was a super pro qualifier. So that year, I hadn't seen him for a while. He had been competing. And, you know, usually we'd get together for posing or whatever. Hadn't seen him. He came to the Northeast Classic. I saw him there. You know, he was all excited. He wasn't competing in it, but he was getting ready to go to Charlie's event. Went down, did the Hercules, and got his ass handed to him. It was like he got in this bantamweight class with, like, 20 guys. And he it, he it made him realize, like, oh, my God, there's so many good competitors. I can't believe it. He signed on on Dr. Joe on the ride home. He called up Dr. Joe and said, hey, look, I've listened to your lecture. You know, I just got my ass kicked in this show. I really want to do well. I want to, you know, get my pro card. What can we do? They made a plan. And so he was already partway into his plan because the Hercules used to be in June, you know, was a June show. So they got him right on track. The natural mania comes, which is September. He ends up winning his pro card you know, goes in with Dr. Joe's diet, wins his pro card, and, you know, the rest was, you know, went on. But I really pushed him into going to those New York shows. And initially, I'm like, oh, geez, I pushed him in. He really, you know, that, that may not have been a good idea, but it actually was the best thing because, you know, he hooked up with Joe, started using Joe, ended up doing the natural mania. And then, like I had said at his funeral, the natural, and it ended in the articles, the natural mania meant so much to Bill. Like when I ever asked him to head judge and said, look, I really would like to, you know, you can judge here, but you have people competing in Massachusetts. Let's put you as head judge at the natural mania. And, you know, it was like, oh my God, this is like a dream come true. Yeah. And uh, it really meant a lot to him because that show, the history of that show and being there and being able to win his pro card there. And the pro card meant so much to him because he had had a number of wins where he just didn't get the pro card. Because it wasn't, he didn't win the overall. Yeah, to we had to learn it the old-fashioned way. He had to work for it, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Bill, go, always good memories of Bill. Miss him, yeah. miss him so much. Yeah, me too. 
So coming coming towards the end of the questions now, I'll throw, I'll throw the list of questions that I got in, and uh, this is from uh, Flick Williams, who um, is a an amateur bodybuilding competitor from from the UK. Okay. Assures me that she's going to join the association and come and compete with us one year and come and meet you at the worlds. She's awesome. you you are her physique idol. You're you're her inspiration. She's you know she's she's a big Nancy Andrews fan. She oh, wants to you. know. Who do you consider throughout your competitive career? Who do you consider your your toughest competition? Who did you have your toughest battles with? Uh, so, you know, initially, definitely, you know, Kathy Younger was the big name and she was, you know, you, you kind of looked at her. She, I, I don't think she was lifetime natural, which that doesn't matter, but her size was so much bigger than everybody. She was mm -hmm. way bigger and she's taller too bigger person but um she was pretty incredible as far as um a competitor but when i went against her i don't think she ever was 100 percent on she was you know a little off here or there and it, it it ended up not working out for her you know her in shape definitely would have been a, i that would have been a big challenge for me um if she was in her best shape um, but, uh, I'd have to say, you know, over the time that I competed, so I never lost an overall, but I did lose my class and the person that I lost most to, and she totally deserved to beat me when she beat me was Lori Dady. And I wouldn't say that she was like, I, our physiques were so different, but she beat me fair and square. She beat me. She deserved to beat me. I wouldn't even argue or dispute that. She deserved to beat me and did beat me. So she had a better winning record against me than anyone else. <laughs> Brilliant, Laurie Dady. I think I remember seeing her from an old natural bodybuilding and fitness magazine yeah. as well. Yeah, um, she was a very muscular chiro, she's a chiropractor and she lives mm -hmm. in Georgia, but she was incredible. I mean, she just, she, I think, I don't know if she was like a track athlete. She had another sport that she was very good, either did it in college or was doing it you know, uh, on the path to be in the Olympic trials or something. I think it was track, but she was incredible. She was, you know, very muscular, good on stage, good presenter, um, always came in shape. But, you know, that's who I'd have to say. She she got me twice. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> good answer. Yeah. Um, and finally, the last thing that I've, uh, I've got to add. Yeah. Um, I've got a little funny story about you first before I ask the last question. It's a very quick one. I don't okay. know, if know this, but do you remember? Uh, do you remember Karen Mason? Yes. The WMBF pro from the UK. She, uh, yeah. a friend of mine, uh, guest posed at our first ever national na national championships in 2011. I got a female guest poser, which is because I, our first ever guest poser as a WMBF affiliate was a female bodybuilder, and my first pro show was female bodybuilding. I've always yeah. kind of pushed it and believed in it. I, I like female bodybuilding as a sport. Um, yes. Karen, Karen was once telling me about her first trip over to... Um, am I still on? She was telling me about her first trip over to uh, the States to compete in the WMBF Worlds. Yep. And, I think she uh, was 99. That's right. And yep. it was... Um, it was in Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
told me this story about this incredible fear that came over her as she drove into Atlantic City in, in a cab or on a bus or and there Lost her again. Um, I think I'll, I'll be all right from there. So yeah, Karen's Karen's abiding memory to to her, and she had a decorate a really decorated career. But her baptism of fire, her big her one big moment in bodybuilding that she always told me was coming in coming into Atlantic City by road and seeing the billboard for the contest with a big picture of you on it. Yeah, was in just how deep she got herself into this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually very cool. It was, um, that was when we had the, the show was at the Tropicana uh -huh. in Atlantic City and they put the billboards because they were giving tickets to like casino guests. So there uh -huh. were people from all over and back then with the Worlds, the Worlds was a pro only event. So they had yeah. the pro men, the pro women. Yeah. And that was actually the first year of weight classes. Uh-huh. Yep. No, but that was her memory. You, you were her. You were her memory. You were, you were the lump in her throat as she came into Atlanta. Oh, she was a good competitor. Uh, well, run. Yeah, credit where due. Uh, where due, Karen, amazing lady. Um, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up now with my last little piece uh, because okay. my internet connection is starting to drift in and out a little bit. It's that time of the night, so. Um, one last thing then, Nancy, aim, aim towards female athletes, particularly female bodybuilders. If you could give one piece of advice to an up-and-coming female bodybuilder, what would it be? So two things. I'll first give advice to women that compete, just women in general that compete, that okay. many, many dismiss the bodybuilding, and the bodybuilding is the easiest one to stay focused on improving because – you're never going to get too big or too lean. Um, you don't have to wear the shoes. So I, I'm trying to sell the women's bodybuilding to these other ladies. Kick off the shoes. Um, and and uh, it's, you know, the, the things that you learn and what you're able to do with your body is pretty amazing um, in all the categories. But the bodybuilding, it's much easier to focus on specific things with the training. But for women that are in bodybuilding, uh, my advice was to would be to give yourself enough time that you can work on things and improve your physique and to document what you're doing. So, you know, every year if you set small goals, you, you know, we're not going to go from, okay, this year I competed and next year I'm going to be winning a pro show. That's not usually how it goes. Normally you start competing and then your next year, your goal may be, you know, I want to be stronger. I want to be slightly bigger. I want to get leaner just to use those small goals to keep you going, but to give yourself enough time to make the gains because with the women's bodybuilding, if you just keep doing the same thing over and over, the results going to be the same. So mm -hmm. you can compete for a long time with the same physique where when you're goal or, you know, if you're more goal oriented and you set goals and you say, look, I want to improve my shoulders. So that's going to be, you know, on my training this year, I'm going to train all year, but I really want to get my shoulders better, you know, and then you do that and you diet down and you see how you look. It's kind of like the whole process is a work in process that you have to give yourself enough time. So that's kind of my advice to make sure that you're planning your training properly, you're planning the nutrition that goes hand in hand with it, and that you give yourself enough time to build 
and to be able to improve your physique so that you come out better the next time. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, I think we're just over two and a half hours now. Yeah. Uh, we could, we could probably talk for another two and a half days as always. I just wanted to bring up too, is that, um, and I always bring this up at our competitor meetings, um, just the friendships that you develop in the sport are amazing. Like my mm -hmm. friendship with you, my friendship with Amy, you know, the different people that have worked through my events are some of my best friends. So for anyone that's looking to get in compete, you know, the people that you're hoping to beat and that you're competing with can end up becoming your best friends as Absolutely. many with me. And um, that's what makes it fun. Just the camaraderie and, and, and the social piece of it. Um, it is a lot different now, but um, it's a lot of fun to be around people that have similar goals and that um, training's important to them, nutrition's important to them, and uh, you can have a lot of laughs along the way too. And that was that's always why I asked my question, apart from times you've won a show, what's your greatest moment in bodybuilding? Because it, it always makes people think about something that involves somebody they were very dear right. to. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know when Bill Murphy was at the end of his life, and and uh, and I saw him in the hospital for the last time, and asked him, you know, what was the best thing meeting Dwayne Broadway? <laughs> I think a lot of us are going to say that when we come yeah. to the road. Yeah, just, Dwayne it, it, Broadway, it absolute nothing, pleasure. It had nothing to do with bodybuilding. It was that friendship and that bond that he had with Dwayne that he just cherished. To to, to sort of sign off on a little bit of Bill Murphy, yeah. Uh, a lot of ab work. Yeah, a lot of ab work. When you're talking to Dwayne Broadway, you laugh yeah. a lot, don't you? There's a lot yeah. of ab work in, in a yes, conversation with Dwayne. Yeah. Um, Nancy, it's been a privilege. Um, I know it's been a long podcast. Anybody that makes it to the end of it, thank you for listening for so long. But it's, well, it's thank you. Thanks for having. Pleasure. Uh, the, the chance to talk to somebody of your caliber and your position in the sport doesn't come up very often. So we've made the Agreed. most of it. And, Appreciate it. you know, it's a long podcast, but I've, Anytime I've thought, I'm long winded. I talk a lot, Lee. You know that. <laughs> it's good. There are too many people that don't talk enough these days. The people yeah. don't share the information that you're right. sharing. And yep. we, we want people to see this side of the sport. So well, it's, it's hopefully you'll see the June 20th show. I'll, I'll get you over the link so you can get the, the uh, live feed. Absolutely, yeah. And I'll get it out on our site. Awesome. Oh, I he's gone. we lost him, AJ. <laughs> well, there we go. I'd just say thank you to you, Nancy, very much. Um,